You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Hello and welcome to Sundays at Home. Uh, I just want to uh, welcome this morning. Thanks for tuning in. Want to let you know that at the end of our service today, uh, we're going to be sharing in communion. So if you want to grab some uh, some bread and maybe a, a cup or something to drink, uh, we'll be doing that at the end of, of our time together today. Um, if you don't know, I'm Pastor Dan, um, and I need a haircut. Uh, that's, uh, that's the reality here. So uh, this is recorded for posterity, so everybody gets to see. Um, and if that's the, the, the worst of my problems, I'm doing pretty good. Um, so I'm grateful that's even a, a concern. That's, if that's what i got to worry about, I'm pretty thankful for that. Uh, these past few months, weeks, have really been a, a spectrum of experiences for all sorts of people. Um, some are... You know, mostly uh, stayed home and they're grateful, uh, and but they're eager to get out. Um, others are on the front lines, and it's uh, it's almost been like a war for them. It's been it's been such a, a spectrum of experiences, uh, and many of you are somewhere in between. You know, in between in between those two extremes. Um, and I was thinking about it, and that's really just not a whole lot different than normal life, right? Every day, no matter even before all all these things happened in our world. There was always a variety of experiences. There were some who experienced really difficult times and others who had really, I mean, life was pretty smooth. And, uh, you know, you could be having a great day and somebody else could be having an absolutely awful, terrible day. Uh, that's sort of life, what, what it is. And right now we're experiencing that. I um, mean, it's important, I think, to be aware of, of others' experiences and what they're going, for, what they're going through. Uh, and not in any way to, to minimize what maybe you're going through, what somebody else is going through. Maybe somebody has a little bit what appears to be an easier uh, experience right now. Each of us has our own challenges. Um, just I think it's important to recognize comparison is not productive in any way. But compassion is critical. And it's really important right now to be sensitive to what other people are going through, even if, if you may not. Um, and so with that kind of in mind, I just want to make the observation today that uh, the tone of our conversation is starting to change. You, you can hear it in people's voices. Um, we're starting to debate, you know, what we should be doing moving forward, when we should reopen things. The, the conversation is changing. We're beginning to, to hear that. Um, I think our concerns are changing. In the beginning, everybody was really primarily concerned with getting sick. Are we going to get? Are we going to get sick? You know, is this? Is this? Are we going to uh, be? Uh, you know, con- contracted from someone else. And I think those fears are still there. I think that that concern is still valid. It's still there. Um, but I, th- I think we're starting to see the emergence of other concerns, you know, whether it be economic hardship, um, the emotional and, and mental toll. Uh, I think we're starting to see the political implications. People are starting to get a little more concerned about that, the long-term impact of what this will do, both personally in our communities, in our country, in our world, what, what impact will this have? So other things are starting to rise. In the beginning, it was all sort of crisis mode, and you know, everybody, let's, let's stay home, and everybody was okay with that, and now you're starting to hear the conversations changing. It's, evol- it's evolving. And uh, our values really determine a lot of what we talk about. Uh, it, it drives what we... You know, what decisions we want to make, what we'd like to see happen, what we hope. Those, the values shape those conversations that we're having. Um, and I think it's so important for us right now to be going through as a church just what are our values. I think it's very timely for us to sort of identify what it is that we believe and to know how should we be making those decisions. How do we keep what matters most in front of us? Um, the first value that we talked about was that today's a new day, uh, that there's grace in this new day that we've never been here before. 
and that God has good in this day. We don't despise the days, but we, we're grateful for what God is going to do. And so we can appreciate the days. The second value was that anything's possible. Faith. Right? We, we can pray for big things. We can pray for God to show up in, and He's going to do it. He can do it. And that in our prayers, that's the action step of faith. Prayer is putting our faith in action. It's not so much the miracles that prove our faith, but our praying that proves our faith. Because since we pray, we're showing that we believe in a God we can't see, and we're, we believe that He can do anything. So those prayers are really the, the action step of our faith. And today I want to talk about the third one, and it's this. So people are primary. People are primary. Uh, this value is all about, it's all about love. Um, on the surface, it sounds very simple, uh, very simplistic. Uh, you know, in every decision, we should do what is most loving for people. When we have a decision to make, you know, what's primary? What's the main thing? You've, you've heard people say we've got to keep the main thing, the main thing. Well, the main thing is people. And uh, people are primary. So that's one of our values. And it sounds very, very doable. Like, who wouldn't agree with doing the most loving thing for people? Yeah, this value is, is tested and tried over and, and over again. It's put to the test constantly. So, for example, consider this question, um, which people should we do what is best for? Because um, you can't make everybody happy. So do we do what's best for most people? Do we do what is best for, and, and if we're going to do the, what's best for most people, who determines who the most are? Right? How do we, how do we come to that understanding? Um, it, it, it gets really complicated when we say, well, we'll just do what's best for people. Well, well which people? That can get really, really complicated. Uh, and so we want to keep people as primary, uh, and we don't want to sacrifice what's best for what's convenient. Um, so the question is, this, how do we do that? How do we keep people primary? What, how do we measure that? How do we know if we're being what's really, truly loving? How do we know if we're keeping people? How do we know if we're not violating that value? It's really important. Um, and I think God has given us a perfect picture of what real love looks like. Now we're gonna. I just want to share that with you today, uh, and it's from First John, chapter four, uh, verses seven. I'll start with verse seven. I think we're gonna go through twelve, and it begins like this. John says this. He's writing a letter. He says, "Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God, and anyone who loves is a child of God, and knows God." See, love originates with God. It doesn't come from anywhere else. There's, there's nowhere that love originates from outside of God. Without God, love doesn't exist. Um, and so he says, basically, if you have love in you, then you're, you know God. That love that's inside of you is, is a picture. It's an image. It's an understanding. It's, it's, a, it's a symbol of, of who God is because it's from him, and it's only from him. And then verse 8, we read this. It says, but anyone who does not love does not know love, for God is love. And this is really important, because if I'm not loving, then I don't really know who God is. It's, it's impossible. I can't say I know God and not be loving. When you experience God, that love is so powerful right, that you can't not be changed and transformed into a loving person. So if, if I'm someone who's, I would say I'm not very loving, if I say that I'm not a loving person, it's probably because I haven't experienced God. I can't say I'm loving and not love other people, right? So there's this, there's the, the sort of a logical um, argument that, that John is making here. He says God at his very core is love. He is the definition of love. And he showed us what that love looks like. And we read that in verse 9. It says this, God showed how much he loved us 
by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. Sounds very familiar to one of the most famous uh, passages in scripture, John 3.16. Also, John's the, the same writer here. And so it's, it makes sense that he would write similar, similar things. John writes a lot about love. And basically what he's saying here is that the sending of Jesus was the definition, the defining quality of God's love. How much does God love you? Enough to give his son's life for yours. I mean, that's a lot of love. And that's just not like our love, but man, that's really big love. That's transcendent love. And transcendent means that it's not like ours, but better, but it's a completely different kind of love, a different order of love, a different genus and species of love. This is a very, it's, it's godly love. It's not ours, but better. It's something transcendently different. It's real love. And this is where we get to that verse 10. And he says this, this is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. See, Jesus is the clearest picture of love in all of human history. This is what God says is real love, genuine, authentic love. This real love, and there's three qualities about this love we can pull out uh, from this passage here. The first is this real love is unconditional. It's absolutely unconditional. It's not our love or anybody else's love. It's not our love of God or our love of anybody else. That's the standard, right? It's God's love for us. He loved us before we ever did a thing for him, before we ever acknowledged him, before we ever understood him. God loves us when we're unlovable, when we're a mess. And we know people can be unlovable. Right now, there are unlovable people in our lives. Right? There, there are people that you're living with that can be unlovable when you're seeing them day after day after day. For the last eight weeks, you've been together with someone. Uh, people can be un- unlovable when you see what they post on social media, when you see what political side they are, or what decisions they would make. People can be unlovable. When we were unlovable, God loved us anyway, unconditionally. He loved us before we ever... It's not our love for Him that made, that made Him love us. He loved us before we were even born. God loved us unconditionally. Second thing is that real love is sacrificial. He sent his own son as a sacrifice in your place. I mean, who do you love most? Think about the person that you love most. And whose life, you know, whose life would you be willing to sacrifice for? Would you be willing, that person you love the most, would you be willing to sacrifice their life for somebody else? It's not your life. It's not saying, who would you lay your life down for? But is there somebody else? Who's the person you love most? Would you lay their life down for somebody else? Perhaps somebody really good, if there was a really deserving person, you know, someone that you felt like it would really be good, you know, they deserve it. They, but but about the bad people, the, the rotten people, the greedy people, would you sacrifice? Of course not. You wouldn't do that. Real love is unconditional, but it's sacrificial. It hurt to love like that. It was costly. It was sacrificial love. God's love was sacrificial. And then the third thing we find is that real love is forgiving. Because of his love, I didn't deserve it. He sacrificially gave it anyway. And now all of my sins are paid for. This is costly stuff. Forgiveness is perhaps one of the most costly gifts anybody can give to anybody else ever. Like I can't think of something that's more costly than forgiveness. Because in forgiveness... We've talked about this in the past. Forgiveness is not just 
saying, ah, don't worry about it, forget about it, you know, I'll, you know, out of sight, out of mind, you know, I will just forgive and forget. That's not forgiveness. That's not a biblical understanding of forgiveness. Forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness acknowledges that you or, or I have done something that incurs a debt that I owe somebody. If I, if I break, if I, if I drive my car into your car, if I hit your car, I owe you. I have done something to you and I have damaged you. If I've said something that's hurt your, your soul or your heart, if I've offended you, if I've done something, right, there's damage, there's, there's a, there's a co- and then there's a cost to repair that. And when you say you forgive me or when I say I forgive you, what we're saying is not only you don't owe anymore, but I will accept the cost of repair. I will pay what it's going to take to make this right. So when I say I forgive you, it's me assuming uh, the cost. It's very costly. So when God said he forgave us, he wasn't just saying you don't owe anymore, that we don't owe anymore, but that he would pay the price for us. Forgiveness is so costly. against one of the costliest gifts in existence. And that's why it's called real love. We don't just... God didn't do that just because ah, I probably should. He did that out of love. It was a love motivation to forgive. That's real love. So real love, we find, is it's costly, it's hard, and it's often painful. Love, you know, love is not the warm fuzzies that we get when we do something nice to people we like. Like that's 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 an expression of love. It's a kind of love, sure. But real love is unconditional. It's sacrificial. It's costly. That's real love. Anybody can love the lovable. That's easy. I don't even know if we would even call that love. That might be our worldly, you know, our temporal definition of love. It's very conditional. It's absolutely conditional. It's mostly comfortable. It's rarely sacrificial. And it usually doesn't cost us so much. It's when it's convenient. But God's love, it's unconditional, sacrificial, and it's costly. And he continues, John does in, in verse 11, he says this, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. See, it's one thing to know God's love is real and say, wow, God's got real love. He's got this big love. But we're being asked, we're being asked to love like that. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I'm up for that. I really don't. I genuinely don't know if I'm up for that. It's not just a a pastor thing. I really don't. That's really hard to do. It's, it's, we're very, love is conditional. It absolutely is. We have we have lines there. You know, there are things that if people do to me, it's going to be very hard for me to love them. It's very hard for me to sacrifice. I've got I've got things I want and things I, I, I you know there are things I value about my own life. It's very hard to forgive people sometimes when they hurt you when they do things that are deeply personal. Oh man, I don't know if I can love like that. There's really only one way that any of us ever could. To even talk about the possibility of loving like that, there's really only one way we could even think about it. And it's this. When we realize that we are loved like that. That you are loved unconditionally. That I'm loved unconditionally. God loves me regardless. That I'm loved and you're loved sacrificially. That God laid down his son for us. The God of the universe, not just anybody, but God of the universe gave his son for you and for me. 
sacrificial love like we've been shown like never in history. And that that love is costly. That everything I've done wrong has been paid for. Every single sin that I've ever committed, God has forgiven it. There's not a single thing that I've done that's not been paid for by somebody else. Forever I will owe God a debt that I cannot repay. And he's paid it all. And he said, you don't owe me anything anymore. The only thing he asks us is, hey, just go love people like I love you. That's the only way possible for us to even begin to approach that kind of love. We have to understand that we're loved like that. Real love. And it's so important that we understand that we can love like that. Like it's possible for you and me to love like that. Because, verse 12, here we go. No one has ever seen God. No one's ever beheld Him or perceived Him with their, with their sight. They've never been able to actually see God. It says, but if we love each other, if... If we love each other, God lives. It says He abides, He resides, He takes His dwelling place in us. And His love is brought to full expression in us. That means it's perfected. His love is completed. That the finished product of His love is displayed in us in this moment. I don't know how not to overstate this. I don't think I could. When we love God, and when we love each other, right, that love of God, which we have now probably in fragments, like when we do good things for people we like, when we do kind things, or when we do things that are convenient, that's, those are the fragmented pieces of love. When we see love being displayed in our world, those are the fragmented pieces of love. Right? But when we love each other like God loves us, what it says is it comes together like a puzzle. All those pieces begin to, begin to collect and his love becomes visible to everyone. It's the full, completed picture of love when we love each other the way he loves us. When we love others, God can be seen and understood by those who can't see him right now. There are people all over our world saying, where is God in this? And when we love each other, his love is brought to full expression in us. I really don't think I can overstate that or underline that or highlight it any better. Full expression of the love of God shown through us when we love each other. Because when we love each other like God loves us, He says He moves in. He dwells. He abides there. God abides there. The dude abides. No, God abides there. He moves in. Perfect love moves in too. And you know what perfect love does? John tells us in just a few more verses, perfect love expels all fear. It casts it out. It removes it. Perfect love takes fear and throws it out the door. It says, fear be gone. Fear be silent. Fear disappear. Perfect love casts out, kicks out, throws out fear. When God moves in, fear moves out. And that's so important because... Fear corrupts our decision-making. We're talking about people are primary. We want to make sure that we're always keeping the main thing the main thing. Fear corrupts our decision-making. But love throws fear out the door and ensures that we're making people primary, that we're doing the right thing. If we want to do what's best for people, what's truly the most loving thing, then we need to invite God in. We need to be loving so that perfect love can move in, so that fear can be gone, so that we can make those good and wise and right decisions. So what does that look like practically? Practically, what does that look like? 
since God loved us when we were unlovable, we need to start loving the unlovable. And that can seem impossible. It can, especially when our love is so tangled up in emotion, in how we feel, right? We, 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 we love people when we feel like loving people, but when we don't feel like loving people, it's almost impossible. And for, for perhaps some of you, it's very hard to pretend like you love someone. You feel disingenuous, like, I can't actually, I don't, I don't want to just pretend like I love someone. So if I can't do it for real, I'm not even going to try because I don't, I don't want to be a fraud. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Uh, I, I don't want to just pretend like I love somebody. I want to actually love them. If I can't, I don't know if I can, if I can do that. And I, I would just propose that maybe that's exactly where we need to start. I'm not saying we pretend or that we're a bunch of fakers. But in, in, in mere Christianity, if you, if you listen to this, C.S. Lewis wrote these words. He says this, Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbor. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets when you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. Very simply, start praying for people that you would classify as unlovable. There's nothing more loving you can do for someone than to pray for their good. Again, let's take that last week, that, that faith-filled. Begin to pray in faith for people that you can't stand, for the unlovable, because real love is unconditional. So who can't... I'm not saying you have to go out. Start with praying for them. I promise you, if you'll begin to pray for people that you will that you classify or designate as unlovable, it's amazing what God can do and how He changes your heart towards them. What you can't do now, you can behave your way into transformation. Start to pretend like you love them by praying for them. It's very hard to to pray for someone and not show love. Pray for them. Secondly, love is sacrificial. God sent his son. Right? Sacrificial love. So how can we love in a sacrificial way today? Where are we seeing sacrificial love? I'll tell you where we're seeing sacrificial love. We're seeing it in the hospitals. Right? We're seeing nurses and doctors being sacrificial every single day. Right? All of our essential personnel, we're seeing sacrificial love every day for those who are continuing to serve the greater good. We're seeing that at their own risk, at their own cost, that's sacrificial love. But we're not all in those positions. So how do we express sacrificial love today? What does it look like for us who may not be in those fields? Again, I refer to C.S. Lewis, and he says this, To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything in your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. It says, wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, and motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. And then he closes with this, the only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from the dangers of love is hell. Boy, that's, 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 let me just tell you very simply, love sacrifices, love hurts, love scars, love wounds, love marks. Love lays down what I want and is willing to do what is best for you. This is not being a victim or self-neglect, but it's my willing to submit my comfort and my convenience for your good. Love is sacrificial. 
So let me just encourage you, pay attention to how you're talking right now, to what you're upset about, to what you're fighting for. As we begin to make decisions, if comfort is king, love is no longer your chief value or priority. People are primary. That demands sacrifice. What ways can you love sacrificially? Just pay attention. It's so easy to say people are primary on paper. It's so hard in real life when it costs us. And finally, love forgives. It's the epitome of, co- of, of cost. To be clear, Jesus forgave. We're not Jesus. But yet we still have the power to forgive. Not to forgive sins against God, but to forgive wrongs done against us. So let me ask you, who are you keeping score against? Who do you have a list of what they've done wrong to you? Could you erase the list and not only say, they don't owe, but I will pay? Remember, forgiveness is costly. Forgiveness is costly. Who will you not only release from debt, but assume the penalty, assume the cost of restoring it? Who needs your forgiveness? It was John Oxenham who wrote this. Love ever gives, forgives, outlives and ever stands with open hands. And while it lives, it gives. For this is love's prerogative to give and give and give. See, when you forgive, remember this, the perfect love of God shows up. People see God in you. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. You want miracles? I want miracles. This is the miracle stuff I'm praying for. That the love of God will be brought to fullness to the full expression that the puzzle of God would be put together and revealed to the world through love. Today is a brand new day. And even if you've not been loving, today is a good day to start. Anything is possible. Right? You, can, you can do this. You can absolutely do this. And it all starts with accepting the perfect love of God for you and that it moves to expressing the perfect love of God through you. Unconditional. Sacrificial costly. This is real love. I want to pray and then we're going to move to communion. So would you, would you just pray with me just for a moment? God, we thank you for how you love us. God, for how you love us unconditionally, for how you love us sacrificially, Lord, for how you love us graciously and full of forgiveness. And as we're praying, If you've been listening in and you've never known this perfect love, I want to pray with you right now. God doesn't love you because you've done anything to earn it. He loves you unconditionally and he gave what was most precious to him for you. He forgives you completely. He washes you brand new. And today I want to give you an opportunity to accept this love. So would you just pray this with me? God, I acknowledge that I don't deserve your love, yet you give it anyway. And I know that you've showed how much you love me by giving your son's life in exchange for my life. And I know I've sinned. I haven't always been loving. And you forgive me anyway. Today I want to know your love personally. I want to know you right now. I want to know that real love in my soul and in my spirit. God, thank you. 
And God, we thank you that you continue to answer that prayer over and over and over again. That you love people all over this world. That the doors are wide open to come to you. Lord, this is real love. I thank you for that. You are so good. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So just, uh, again, we're going to move into a time of communion right now. And, and for our church, uh, it's something we're going to, we usually do this together, but we're going to do this uh, in, in our homes right now. So wherever you are, if you just grab a, a, a cup uh, with some juice and maybe a, a piece of bread that you can, uh, that you can join with us. Uh, communion is, is a celebration of the real, unconditional love of God. Uh, it's, a, it's a reminder of what Jesus has done for us. It's a reminder of his, uh, his great love for us. The, body, the bread symbolizes his body broken and sacrificed for us. The cup represents his blood, which is our forgiveness that we're washed new. Uh, so this is, it's, it's, it's exactly what we've been talking about all day. And communion is just, it's symbolic for us. It represents our, our constant reminder of how much God actually loves us. And so I encourage you, right now, wherever you are, let's just take that bread and let's just take a moment and pray over this. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this piece of bread. Lord, it reminds us that you came physically, you gave your life for us. Lord, I just thank you for what you've done for us. And I ask you today, Lord, to help us know the real love that you have for us. I thank you, Lord. Lord, your love is so unconditional. Lord, it was was truly costly. Thank you for what you've done for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's eat together. And second, let's let's take the cup. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this cup. It represents your blood. Lord, that you came to die. Lord, truly it was an exchange. It was your life for ours, your blood for ours, Lord, your death so that we would have life. We made out so good in this exchange. God, and it's all because of how much you love us. You loved us so much that you gave your life for ours. Oh, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us today. Lord, we commit to remembering every single moment of every day of how great your love is. And Lord, as we drink this, we ask and invite you to display your love through us. May the church be the most loving community of people on the planet. And together, may we present to the world a picture of the perfect love of our God. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Would you drink with me today? Love you, church. Thank you so much for joining in today. The unconditional, real love of God. People are primary, primary to God. And as we make them primary to us, the world will know his great love for them. What a message. Love you. Can't wait to see you soon. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, or if you'd like to connect with us online, just visit wearelifetree.com.